the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. We are fortunate to be alive at this moment in history. I can hear you. I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. The truth is plain to see. If you want freedom, take pride in your country. If you want democracy, hold on to your sovereignty. It's time for the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin of The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be uh, together um, and a lot to cover today. In a few moments, we're going to interview my friend, uh, Reverend uh, James Harden. He's over at Compass Care. He's a very interesting man. Uh, I'm looking forward to that interview because he's the guy whose uh, pregnancy resource center was firebombed. And uh, he kind of rolled with it. He rolled with it. And he uh, used it as an opportunity to say, hey, okay, you're coming after us. I'm going to tell you the truth. And he's been out there as a public figure. Well, He's commenting uh, now. I got a, 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 a um, email from his team on the pro-lifers who are look like they'll be sent to jail for maybe up to 11 years for protesting peacefully. Now, you say to yourself, well, that's crazy. How can that be? Well, we'll talk about that with him. But um, it's not crazy in a nation where lawfare is the um, the, the accepted. Practice now. Our other guest today is Christina Bob, who's got a book, uh, and the book is on January 6th. And uh, excuse me, not no, sorry. Uh, the book is on election fraud and 2020 and what could happen in 2024. Christina Bob, who herself was a journalist. She was a Marine Corps uh, veteran. She is a lawyer. She's worked as Trump, one of Trump's lawyers. She's being interviewed and and and, and pushed by the legal system as as a, a witness, maybe in some of these things. Why? Because as she says in her book, the 2020 election can't be questioned. You're not allowed to question it. And you have to start saying why. And the answer is, in her mind, in the book, she says this, because they don't want you to look too closely. In fact, they want to distract you with other things like January 6th, a big distraction, because they're trying to get you away from 2020. We'll talk with uh, Christina Bob in a few moments. So back to what you need to know today. And let me remind you, visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up for the daily email, the daily wink, and you will get an email in your inbox every morning at 8 a.m. East Coast time, 5 a.m. Pacific time, everywhere in between. A few thoughts, a few key things, and what you need to know, W-Y-N-K, what you need to know today. And we do that right now here on the segment. And today's wink, what you need to know, is this. Lawfare is not shrinking as the light shines on it. It's growing. You know, we have uh, our, our vice president. She was um, uh, over in uh, Jakarta, Indonesia, 
And she's saying people she's testifying there not testifying. She's speaking there in Jakarta, Indonesia, a place that I know very well. I spent a year of my life living in Indonesia, about six or eight weeks total in Jakarta. And she's over there and she's wanting as the vice president of the United States. And she's saying, oh, yeah, you know, I spent the majority of my career as a prosecutor, she says. And then she says, well, you know, I, I believe that people should be held accountable under the law. And when they break the law, there should be accountability. And then she goes on to say that Donald Trump and the January 6th protesters should be held responsible. In the last 36 hours, we had a guy, Enrique Tario, sentenced to 22 years in jail because he was talking with other people about January 6th. He was not even in the Capitol in Washington, D.C. that day. It's extraordinary. And so here's Harris bragging. Oh, yeah, we got to hold people accountable. They need to go to jail. Trump needs to be indicted. Except here's what you want to say. What about your boss, Kamala Harris? What about the Antifa people? What about the people that you paid bail to? She was one someone who paid bail, gave bail money, donated bail money to people that were uh, causing the riots across the country. What about any of that? And the answer is one set of rules for us, one set of rules for you. Not applying evenly, not America. Now, let me tell you, the lawfare thing is growing, but I will point backwards to the period of time around 2008, 9, and 10. In that period, after the financial meltdown, when most of the country looked up and they said, wait a second, we just bailed out the big banks, the big investors, big Wall Street, and the CEOs of the companies that took this risk that was not a smart risk, that was a mistake, none of them went to jail. But you know what? Way down the line, people that were involved in that mortgage business, I happen to know one of them, who was like a frontline guy, a 29, 30-year-old guy, he's going to jail for a year because he was signing bad mortgages, and he didn't really know they were bad. He knew that the system was squirrely, but he didn't know them bad. That's my opinion. I'd never talk to him more than just to feel bad for him. But here's the thing. Angelo Mazzillo, I think it has his name, one of the top guys at Countrywide. I might be getting them wrong, but the, the major mortgage houses, the major people that caused the problems and the investors, institutional investors that did it, none of them got jail time. None of them got any, no accountability there. There was no accountability there. The, the, the reality is, the, the reality is that there's a bell going in the background. The reality is, that the people who did the financial meltdown, who made the financial meltdown the way it was, are the ones who should be paying, should be the ones, the ones who are should be paying the price for what happened back then. And they didn't. And more and more Americans starting in 08, 09, 10, the Tea Party was a response. The Tea Party was a response to what happened. People looked up and said, oh, man, that system. That, that does not seem fair to us. We just watched you do a, st- a stimulus, a massive stimulus. Remember, this is 2009, I think it was. And it was actually, it's small by comparison of the, uh, what they've got going now. Um, but, and so the, the reality is that the, uh, the people in the country started to doubt whether the system was operating fairly, whether it was actually being uh, evenly, uh, uh, evenly administered for all the people. And so what you ended up having, what you ended up understanding was that the system was broken. Now you fast forward 2012, Obama wins because Romney was uh, not a very strong candidate. I'm talking about politics now, but there's a growing sense of dis ease 
a lack of ease with the system, with what's happened. And people are starting to say, you know what? This doesn't make sense. This is not this is not making sense to us. And, it, and, and soon after, in 2014, there's an electoral swing. And in terms of candidates across the country for governor, as well as for the, uh, the House of Representatives. And by the time you get to 15, you've got Sanders on the Democrat side and you've got Trump on the Republican side saying the system is rigged down to today. But here's the problem. The system, the system was rigged. It is rigged. Hillary walks. Hillary's people walk. You know, uh, uh, Wiener uh, steals all gets all the stuff from his uh, his then wife that none of them get held accountable. Comey doesn't get held accountable. Russia hoax doesn't get held accountable. Everybody's not held accountable, except they want to hold you accountable. They want to hold Trump accountable. They want to hold conservatives accountable. Antifa can riot and burn things. People can burn Ferguson, Missouri, where I'm from. Whatever. It doesn't matter. And so we get all the way down to today. And now the only thing you have to say to yourself is, didn't, why didn't I see this coming? Because the lawfare now is on the march. They're giving people, you know, 22 years in jail for not attending January 6th. And they're calling it an insurrection. As I said to someone, you cannot say that 2020 election was fraudulent without someone on the other side saying, oh, but it was never proven in court to be fraudulent. I, I, I can see that. Nobody got it to court. But that doesn't mean that it was perfect, right? That's not the standard. If it was the standard, by the way, nobody's proven in court that January 6th was an insurrection. It doesn't stop the judges. It doesn't stop the press. It doesn't stop the left from saying it was an insurrection. There was no insurrection. There was a riot. And a riot's been proven in court, breaking windows, pushing through barriers. No insurrection. And yet the standard is double. But more importantly, forget about the double standard. Hypocrisy is not a distinguishing characteristic in politics or in America right now. What is the truth is what are the facts is that lawfare is on the march. And as someone, I don't know who it was said on, uh, on um, uh, Twitter, it, it doesn't look like they're stopping. They, they're so brave. It might've been Cernovich. They're so brazen at this point. They're so thoroughly convinced that they can't be stopped, that they're just marching on, marching on and on and on towards all of us. So when you hear in a few moments, Reverend Hardin talk about these five pro-lifers who are are going to be sentenced to jail time for protesting, you say, what What for? When you realize that January 6th protesters are, are being charged with vandalism and then a felony as a way to send a message, because either the left truly believes that this is a monumental threat to the country, or they're just cravenly using power, some combination of both, probably. But the reality is, as I've said before, lawfare is it's warfare against the law, against the legal system. It may feel like it's against Trump or J6 or pro-lifers or this group or that group, Elon Musk. He's being targeted by investigation. That's true. But the truth is the the warfare being waged is against the law, which is the crown jewel of America, our constitution and rule of law. And if you if you if you steal the crown jewels, if you gut the very system that makes us great, imperfect, not perfect, never perfect because we're human, but the best ever, our constitutional rule of law. If you get rid of that, the system's breaking down fast. Let's uh, come back and talk with uh 
Christina Bob, as well as uh, Reverend Jim Harden. I'm Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. That's what you need to know. Be right back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. It's been a while, a few months uh, since we spoke with Christina Bob. Christina Bob is, uh, has worn many hats. She's a, a prominent journalist uh, on television uh, for a while. She was in the Marine Corps, served in, as a lawyer in the Marine Corps, which uh, the Marines don't have really cushy jobs. So that's still a uh, kind of a, a wild job. And she has also served uh, as an attorney and a legal spokeswoman for uh, President Donald Trump, uh, which makes her, we were talking off the air, a target of, it used to be be a target of people saying mean things on Twitter and other other places. Now they sue you, file bar complaints, uh, threaten to indict you. It's it's really uh, a challenge. So welcome back, Christina Bob. How are you? Hey, Ed, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm glad to have you. And the topic to talk about is uh, Skyhorse Publishing published your book, and it's called Stealing Your Vote, the inside story of the 2020 election, what it means for 2024. I was out in uh, in Missouri when Mike Lindell a few weeks ago had this big uh, unveil, and I was impressed with a lot of what I saw about grassroots energy focusing on 2024 elections. However, it feels like the, in your book, you talk about the kinds of forces against conservatives, against President Trump, the media, the legal you know, apparatus, mm-hmm. Mark Elias. Feels like all that's still there and maybe more. Well, it is all still there. Um, I don't think it's more. Uh, okay. as, the, as you mentioned, we've got really great grassroots efforts all over the country doing a lot of great work that we did not have in 2019 and 2020. Um, they had an advantage in 2020 and that nobody was paying attention. Nobody was, you know, nobody cared. You had the whole COVID thing going on and everyone was focused on that. And, you know, nobody thought that anybody was going to significantly steal in 2020. And not only did they significantly steal, but it was uh, like by a lot, by millions and millions of votes. And so it got everybody's attention. And so the advantage that we have now is people are engaged and, and involved. And there's been really good grassroots. I agree with you. There needs to be more work done, but there has been some work done. They don't have the advantage of nobody paying attention. Everybody's paying attention now. Um, so they don't have the same advantages that they had in 2020. The advantage that they have now is that they're in office, right? They're right, holding right. the high ground. Right. So uh, we do, we do have to kind of fight our way back, but I think we are, I think we're doing it. We need help. Everybody who's listening. I'm sure I would imagine your, your listeners of all people are people who are engaged in the fight. So, um, I'm probably preaching to the choir here, but we, we need people. We just need people involved. Well, I, I, yes, except uh, they people have to say, yeah, I'm involved and then go do it. It's, it's as you know, one of the mm-hmm. things about is uh, a lot of talk. You got to get to action. Uh, again, we're talking with Christina Bob and her book is called Stealing Your Vote, the inside story of the 2020 election and what it means for 2024. Um, in the book, uh, you uh, you have a chapter two from the end called Changing the Narrative. I often tell my listeners the narrative machine in this country, which is big government working with big tech and big media to tell us what the truth is, and they're lying 90% of the time, changing the narrative. Christina, you were on the front lines of media, One America News, you know, very successful. You were on the front lines of the most prominent, uh, well, Republican, but probably prominent politician and campaign in history, uh, Trump, Donald Trump. And yet the narrative machine uh, changing the narrative, it's it's almost like you're, you're you know, kind of spitting in the ocean. Yeah, well, in that particularly in that chapter i was referring to the apparatus the right. the government apparatus changing the narrative right? right right um you've got 
when the way they changed it was with January 6th. I mean, the narrative, what the the organic, spontaneous narrative was, hey, the election was stolen. There's problems with our election. Let's look into it. Um, And they changed that narrative into January 6th. January 6th was not what they claim it was. You know this better than I do. I should be interviewing you on that. (laughs) But um, they changed the narrative to try to make us think that there was some, you know, government cover up or overthrowing the whatever whatever it was they they lied about it and threw people in jail well and and exactly that's why I, that's why i liked it i'm sorry i i'm looking at my notes says i could have said it better the book pivots on that because i agree with you and most people don't say it january 6th is necessary to hide from 2020 because if you if you want to have a serious conversation about 2020 they say oh no 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 i mean you know, look what happened on january 6th and it stops it it's, and for most americans and too many republicans and conservatives it stops it do you think christina that the litigation against president trump for indictments in some way is actually Back, not just backfiring in terms of many people saying, wow, they're targeting him, but also giving him a chance to say, wait, you're complaining that I was concerned about voter fraud. Let me explain to you how and what we found. In some ways, it's almost like they lacked, they, they blocked standing for 64 out of 65 lawsuits after 2020. And then they gave President Trump standing to, to litigate this. Do you, yeah. is that, am I overreading that? And do you, are you no. hopeful that's where we're going? Yes, I, I, that's where we should go. Uh, I think they're caught. They're they're caught in a in a trap because they keep doubling down with more corruption, more corruption, more corruption, thinking it's going to solve the problem, and it keeps backfiring and it's not working. They thought they could steal the election, get rid of Donald Trump, everything would be fine, and they could go on their Marxist little way. Um, but that that didn't happen in 2020. It didn't happen in 2022, and it's not happening now. And so. Uh, when they didn't steal the election enough, meaning to the point where people believed it, then they had to orchestrate January 6th and try to frame Trump supporters and get everybody to think Trump supporters were evil. That didn't happen. That didn't work. Nobody believes people believe that it was the federal government who orchestrated January 6th at this point. And so when that narrative failed, then they had to say, you know, oh, he's he's a criminal. He's a criminal. So they're doubling down on a failing narrative. And the more they push on it, the more likely it is to break. So they are breaking their own mm-hmm. facade. It feels like it. It feels like it. I hope so. Although the the last time they did this, they they sort of broke the world with COVID, and then they broke it again with cheating on the election. And then they yeah. tried January sixth. The the question, and again, our guest is Christina Bob. Her book is "Stealing Your Vote: The Inside Story of the 2020 Election," which I think we're going to hear more and more about in the coming months and years from President Trump and this litigation, and then especially and what it means for 2024. Are you Christina? And I, I you are. I know because you kind of got a happy warrior mentality. But I, I ask you to put it into your own words. Are you optimistic right now? I mean, are you as yeah. much as you've seen happening on the ground and, and how targeted people are? If you're pro-lifer and you're protesting, you're targeted. If you're pro-Trump and you're at the Capitol, you're targeted. If you're if you're a candidate for office, you're targeted. If you're are you optimistic? I'm very optimistic. I, I don't want to play Pollyanna and pretend it's going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. And what uh, these Marxist crazies have done with our government um, is very serious and very scary. So I don't want to be naive about it. However, they operate best when no one knows what they're doing. They operate best in concealment and they are completely out in the open at this point. They are fully exposed and we continue to expose them. And the wheels are coming off of this. I I was going to say Biden crime family, but it's also Obama. I mean, Obama really was the one that put this in place and um, probably even presidents before George Bush, before Obama, 
to have this like political class take over the United States to create, create this globalist society. So uh, yes, I, I am optimistic, but the, the way we fix it is by getting all of these Marxists out of office, getting not just out of office, but out of the government, cleaning out our government, shutting down this over overpowering government, cleaning it out. And then, yes, I, I think we'll, we'll thrive. I think America's best days are ahead of her. Christina Bob, the book is from Skyhorse Publishing, and uh, and I will put it up on social media. Um, make sure everybody sees it. Uh, stealing your vote. Um, you go through I don't know tw- almost twenty twenty two chapters. I can't remember now. I can't see the tip my notes of all these insides and outs. Arizona. You look at Georgia. You go through exactly what happened. It's really helpful. When, one question. I, I just got a couple minutes left. But when you look at the Republican Party. That's one of the stories. I mean, I was on the RNC, the National Committee, and I kept saying, mm-hmm. we're, we're running to lose here. This is years yep. ago, 13 through 15. And, and it feels like that happened in 2020. And it's happening again, to be honest, uh, that the, the Republican National Committee is not up to this job. Yeah, no, I think that's right. I think the parties have failed both sides. Um, the Democrat Party's non-existent. I mean, it's a totalitarian regime at this point. Mm-hmm. The Republican Party is just kind of weak and impotent. Um but thankfully, we've got the MAGA movement, right? This is not a Republican movement. This is a MAGA movement. I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat. Uh, I know a lot of people feel like they need to change parties or whatever because Donald Trump is running as a Republican. But the movement doesn't matter. The movement is about people who love this country and want to see her thrive. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, Christina, Bob, we were talking off the air. I always do that to my listeners. I have these great conversations that I should record about <laughs> how much you're out there and in the fray and how high the cost is. So thank you for doing it and doing it with a, a smile and style. And uh, we'll have you back again. And we'll hope the book again, Stealing Your Vote, the inside story of the 2020 election and what it means for 2024. Christina, Bob, thank you for your time. Thanks, Ed. I appreciate it. All right, Christina Bob. And I tell you, she makes she made it on the air, but she also makes a great case in the book of how uh, January 6th is a pivot in the lies uh, to try to hide a 2020s election. Uh, we will take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, our next guest has been with us uh, got a while ago now. I'll have to check back on my notes. Uh, Reverend James Harden is the CEO of Compass Care. Uh, and we had him on, I think it was right after uh, the uh, Compass Care had this uh, firebombing uh, that um, they um, went after um, this um, these wild uh, anti-life folks. And um, so uh, Pregnancy Resource Center, there's been reaction to that and uh, Lots of people paying attention. But one of the great things about uh, Reverend Harden is he's out there as a voice talking about uh, the importance of uh, what's happening. And one of the phrases, uh, Reverend Harden, welcome back, is the quote, money follows morality. And um, I, I think this is a very I talk about the money filter for people a lot of times. Follow the money works, but money follows morality. Explain that to me, how you uh, think that is uh, important right now. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Uh, money, money follows morality. I say that because all decisions that we make, whether it's a a, a budget uh, or or how, how we, you know, what, what we decide to do with our lives, um, our reproductive um, <laughs> decisions, yeah. so to speak, they're all uh, based on a, a moral framework. We make decisions based on what we believe, and then we have to spend money based on those decisions. And so for, for us to turn it around doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And I think that's one of the reasons why Republicans, that kind of the red wave in, in, in 2022 that was predicted, died on the beach. Because 
Republican, ostensibly conservative Republicans stepped away from their uh, the moral discussion around abortion and what it means to be human. Uh, people want to have that discussion. They want to talk about uh, you know the moral issues specifically abortion and they want to have a say in it they want to have a say in restricting abortion and they want to have a say in, in, in what's going on they don't want to be robbed any any longer of uh of of their voice and that's exactly what pro-abortion po- politicians are aiming to do is rob the people of pro-life people in particular of their of their of their voice in the public square and i think that's one of the reasons why you see this criminalization criminalization yeah. of pro-life people happening in the courts the vilification of pro-life people in the media as well as the weaponization of legislation against pro-life people in places like illinois and new york uh reverend uh, reverend jim jim harden is our guest and he is the ceo of uh, compass care if you go to compasscarecommunity.com uh, you will uh, see about their great mission and lots uh, there um and um um, their mission statement, Compass Care is dedicated to erasing the need for abortion by transforming a woman's fear into confidence. I, I salute you on that mission statement, especially uh, so many of the pro-life leaders that I admire have been saying, hey, be careful when you're focused on the child, the baby, and it's a baby, we know, but you, the woman is in the position that in this culture right now of the maximum decision-making, you've got to help uh, them, uh, that the women feel a better as a starting point. It's an interesting moment we're in. But um, I, I want to shift for a second yes, to- 100%. Uh, yeah, Reverend Harden, um, you watched your place be firebombed and the reaction or lack of reaction. Um, and now we have this um, district court judge, federal district court judge, sentencing five pro-life advocates uh, peaceful uh, to jail. Um, and um, th- they call it the FACE Act. Um, first, before we get to those five, and I want to ask you to comment on that. You got firebombed and didn't say, oh, man, this is interesting. I mean, uh, this is terrifying. Let's batten down the hatches. You started speaking out more. In fact, that's how I first met you. You said, well, you want to silence me with firebombing and intimidating? I'm going to talk more. And you you came on the national radar at that point in my uh, view of it. So you stepped towards the uh, hate and but. The effect of people getting jail sentences for being protesters, whether it's J6 or pro-lifers, many people are stepping back. Yeah, I think I think it's a a mistake to step away from injustice, because uh, specifically in in a constitutional rule of law society like what we have in the United States, it requires the the vigilance of the citizenry to behave um, and act on our, you know, Amend of our, our amendments, our, the, the rights that that we we have been endowed by our creator, not by our government. Uh, if if we're going to sustain a civilized order, or perhaps even return, I should say, to a civilized order, we need people who can be that prophetic voice and that prophetic presence. Whether it's serving women who are seriously considering abortion, or saving preborn boys and girls uh, from being uh, destroyed at the on, at the last minute as a mercy mission, uh, peaceful. Uh, citizens, pro-life citizens, need to step up as a matter of educating uh, the world, not just about what it means to be human under God, that we're all created in his image uh, and deserving of, of, of protection equally, but also that we're, you know, we have we have an obligation. We have a duty to one another. The rights 
uh, enumerated are not specifically designed for, for a narcissistic population. They're specifically designed for people to leverage on behalf of one another. We are, you know, there's a citizenship is a mutuality. It's not an individuality. And we have, we've, we've forgotten that. And I think pro-life citizens are the ones helping, helping our country remember what it means to be human and what it means to, have, to live in a civilized order again. So I, I, I'm happy to see these pro-life people standing up. It, it, it is a revelation to many people in America to the extent that they are learning about it. <clears throat> the, the U.S. District Court in D.C. and other places is corrupted. Uh, the, the, this, this, it, God knows how they convicted these peaceful pro-life people of a violent crime to conspire against rights. What rights are they conspiring against? Well, apparently the right to abortion, even though the Dobbs case came out over a year ago now saying that, that you can't construe a right to abortion from the Constitution. But here's this ju- U.S. District Court judge appointed by Bill Clinton saying to the plaintiff's attorneys and the defendant's attorneys during this first trial, I want you to argue this case based on whether or not you can construe a a right to abortion from the 13th Amendment of the Constitution. Now, the 13th Amendment of the Constitution basically says you can't enslave people. Well, what I found interesting was that that this particular idea of enslaved as related to abortion came from originally pro-abortion Antifa groups that firebombed Compass Care. Hmm. They firebombed Compass Care and they wrote a communique taking responsibility for it. And the reason they said that they firebombed us was because we're enslaving women, that we're, we're, we're forcing them to become permanent socioeconomic underclasses by forcing them to have their babies. Uh, th- th- and, and if we don't shut down, next time it's not going to be so easily cleaned up as fire and graffiti. Direct quote from their communique. Now here we've got a U.S. District Court judge, uh, Colleen Collar-Cottley, basically saying the same thing. That, uh, you know, you've got to construe a, a, a right to abortion in the 13th Amendment based on enslavement. They're saying that pro-life people are enslaving women uh, by by standing against abortion. And this is insidious yeah. because when when the pro, uh, pro-abortion extremists like the Biden administration seek to enshrine abortion as a as a. Uh, hold on one second. Um, Reverend Harden, uh, for some reason, you're cutting out a little bit. Um, let me see if we can stabilize the connection. Um, are you, my, can my apologies. I, uh, I'm not quite sure what's happening, but um, no, no, that's that was uh, you're back now. I don't know what happened either. You were making too good a point. They shut the uh, powers that be shut you down. Uh, uh, but but I, I, to pick up briefly and we're almost to the end of the time anyway. Um, what happens next when when you have five pro-life activists peaceful facing up to 11 years in prison? I, I guess my I guess my thought is this. So we're talking with Reverend Harden again, Compass Care Community dot uh, org. I think it is. I'll make sure to get it right. I don't want to mess people up if they go in Compass Care Community dot com. Sorry. I, it feels to me like some people feel like Roe v. Wade was reversed and uh, I'm pro-life. Roe v. Wade was reversed, though. That's good. And now let let things settle out and sort them out themselves. And I I, I don't want to fight. And the culture's made it so it can be so caustic and costly to make your voice heard on certain topics that a lot of people, a lot of people are saying, you know, I'll just let things play out. And I guess my point, I just have a minute left. I'm sorry, is you've got to step towards it. You've talked about this already, but maybe give us a sort of inspiration to say it's worth it now. Uh, You better do it now because it's bigger than just how you feel. Oh, abortion is a flashpoint. Abortion is a symptom of a much larger problem. Uh, abortion represents a fundamental misunderstanding about what it means to be human under God. Abortion represents um, the tacit uh, approval of government getting to decide which humans qualify for protection under the law and which ones don't. And if we don't stand up right now against this tragedy, against this massive injustice, the, the likes of which the world has never seen, then who's next? Who's next? Is it the depressed? 
Is it the the uh, the disenfranchised? Is it this the, the, the politically disfavored? Is it you and I? I mean, that's the road we're heading down. The FACE Act, which is what these people are being convicted of, Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrance Act, is basically going to turn into the America's version of Stalin's Article 58. And it's just going to keep expanding and expanding and expanding. And pretty you know, soon um, we're going to wonder whatever yeah. happened. Well, I've got to have you back, um, Reverend Harden. I forgot. I forgot you were great last time I had you on. I'll, I won't forget this time. We'll have you back. I'll get an email to you so we can directly uh, be in touch. Uh, Reverend uh, Jim Harden, um, he's over at Compass Care, compasscarecommunity.com. Very thoughtful. I hope he uh, continues to make his voice heard. I'm going to help him on this uh, program. So we have to take a break, though, real quick. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we're upholding the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly, a constitutional attorney and articulate voice for traditional values for more than 70 years. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Throughout our nation, American communities are waging war over the ridiculous notion that gender is a fluid construct that can change over time. The University of Cincinnati rescinded its reprimand of a teacher for flunking a student for using the term biological woman. Megan Rapinoe, the outspoken retiring player on the U.S. women's soccer team, indicated she would welcome male body trans women into that sport, even though her own women's team was easily defeated by an under 15 year old boys team. The media and many judges are firmly on the side of the transgender movement, and they expect to win. A Clinton-appointed judge ordered a public school to let a boy who identifies as a girl to use the girl's bathroom, overriding a policy adopted by the elected school board in the town of McQuanago, Wisconsin. It's impossible to separate the culture war from the legal war that rages in tandem. Law schools have fully embraced transgender follies, and unfortunately, many courts will do likewise. Two years ago, the Harvard Law School welcomed its first transgender women of color as teachers at the school. They joined two transgender men on the faculty, one of whom maintains a personal website that brags about working with a sex worker art collective that protested digital gentrification. The current state of America's top law schools is important because the Supreme Court hires all of its law clerks from a handful of elite law schools. And those clerks perform the influential task of screening and describing the cases before the Supreme Court either agrees to hear them or simply denies cert on a lower court decision. The Supreme Court denied a recent application by West Virginia to reinstate its sensible law keeping boys out of girls sports. The court ducked this raging controversy just as the court dodged all appeals about election fraud. For decades, the Supreme Court accepted abortion cases only when the appeal was by the left. And it will be interesting to see if leftists appeal decisions against them on the transgender issue. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. It's no secret that globalists are bent on destroying Western culture. Whether the threat comes from inside or outside our borders, America must be protected from cultural Marxism and those who would deny American sovereignty. We're seeking your insight at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. And join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, finishing up, I haven't done this in a while, so it's time to have a Rand Paul appreciation uh, um, a conversation 
uh, appreciation session, let's call it that. I mean, Senator Rand Paul is probably the most refreshing guy to serve in public life in a very long time, in part because he tells you what he believes and then he acts on it. He he doesn't really shy away from that. He's not afraid to do it. He came to office having bucked all the establishment folks that wanted him to uh, wait his turn. Right. He was supposed to wait his turn like a like a good little uh, senator. He wanted to run for U.S. Senate in Kentucky, his hometown, his home, uh, his home country. And so he um, he uh, uh, the he, he did that. And um, he was not it wasn't his turn. He was supposed to wait in the primary and he didn't. He just decided not to. He was like, I'm going to do this. And he ended up beating the establishment candidate and getting a lot of attention because of that and getting some tension. People mad at him. But he's been in office now a while. He ran for president, was very successful at that, didn't end up winning. But he's a very, very funny guy. He's witty. He's smart. He's a doctor, Duke Medical School graduate. But he just he, he I think he's incapable of lying or spinning. He's got his father's um uh, frankness and truth telling. And I don't forget uh, that his father, Dr. Ron Paul, he was a great close friend of the late Phyllis Schlafly, my old boss. And and you may remember uh, Ron Paul actually term limited himself. He said we should have term limits. And so after a couple of terms, he left Congress and then he realized like term limits by the good guys is not a good system. So he came back into Congress. And when he did, he was a little bit worried that people would think he was going back on this great principle. And Phyllis Schlafly was one of the earliest backers of him. He, she said he, we need him back in, in Congress, in the House. And he was very effective. So Rand Paul is really good at this. And Rand Paul has now said, uh, in lots of different ways, something really important. What has he said? Well, he said that what Mitch McConnell is going through is not just dehydration. He's basically acknowledged that this is more likely more significant than that, and it shouldn't be blown off. By the way, he went on to say that Mitch McConnell is doesn't he doesn't mean he's not fit to serve. It doesn't mean that he's not uh, capable of being the leader. He didn't say any of that. I don't know if he was asked directly, but he didn't say that. He just said, "Hey, look, I'm a doctor." Don't blow smoke in my ear and say it's nothing when it's something. And especially in my opinion, this is my opinion, Rand Paul says that because he also wants to be able to say honestly that Joe Biden or others are absolutely in damaged shape. And you can't be credible. You can't be serious if you'll only criticize one party. You just become part of the machinery. You're just part of the narrative machine and you're just pushing back and trying to spin your own lie or spin your own truth. That's a better way to say it. And so Rand doesn't bother. He says, hey, look, I'm a doctor. I've seen a lot of this. I've seen people that have trauma, a big concussion, which is what Mitch McConnell had. And and therefore, don't lie about it. Don't fake it. Don't pretend it's dehydration when that's not the the, the that's not the the the. Um, that's not the indications of dehydration, the kinds of things that have happened to Mitch McConnell. And so Rand says it now. He probably Rand Paul probably gets more grief from his colleagues than congratulations and encouragement, because, again, he's not saying depose Mitch McConnell. He's just telling the truth. But I'll tell you who can't get enough of it is the normal American people, because you just know on things like um, uh, uh, on Ukraine and Russia. When Rand Paul says, uh, you know, what he thinks, you just don't think he's capable of of lying. 
And I'm not saying he's not a politician at times, but most of the time, if Rand Paul can't say what he truly believes, he won't say it. He'll just not get into that debate. If he doesn't want to take a position that, you know, he thinks is, I don't know, maybe I'm, 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 I'm brain, I'm, uh, I'm mind reading here, but he doesn't seem to take, if he can't get, make a point, this is the old Phyllis Schlafly trick. If you can't make a point, win an argument, don't bother weighing in just to feel good for yourself unless you're willing to take the lumps for it. And Rand obviously doesn't mind most of the time, but sometimes he probably sits tight and stays quiet. But again, it's so refreshing, so honest, so real. We're about to head into one of these uh, periods where we're going to talk about spending and the power of the purse and who's going to control what the spending is. And there's going to be all kinds of spin on both sides, most of it coming out of the White House and the Democrats, but a lot of the Republicans will go for it. And you won't see it from Rand. You just won't see it. Consistently, he's been on the side of, hey, wait a second, we got to get control. And even when he loses a vote or a debate, he has something helpful to say. For example, his point on the Ukraine spending was once it's going, why can't we know where it went? You know, that's what happened. We sent billions over with no way to see where it was going. We were not allowed to. There were rules that said we're not allowed to demand that we know where it's going. And Ram was like, how is this a good deal? How is this a good deal for the taxpayers? Anyway, very effective and congratulations and encouragement and appreciation of Rand Paul and his service to the country. He's really, really good. He's really, really valuable. Uh, and, you know, one of the reasons I think he got he got almost shot. He was they were aiming for him on the baseball field. They tried to attack his neighbor who was a, a left wing lunatic, attacked him and really hurt him. I, one of the reasons why I think people want him off the field of battle, the political field of battle, is because he's so effective. He's so effective. He's a great leader. Senator Rand Paul, in appreciation of him. All right. Thank you, as always, to our great uh, producer, Ryan Height and Mason Mohan for producing the show. We will be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and sign up there for the daily wink, the daily email, what you need to know. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Ed Martin, Pro-America Report. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 